Welcome to the Sell or Die podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Gitterer. Well, in this podcast, we're going to help you attract more qualified, unbelievable, ready-to-buy clients. And the one thing you're hoping for blows more deals. It's time to sell or die. We are joined today, Die Hard, by a woman who you probably have never heard of, but you may have read one of the books that she's written because she is not a ghost writer. She's a partner writer, and she puts her name on books that are significant. Probably most significant is The Miracle Morning. Um, would you say? Honore, this is Honore Quarter, by the way. She she puts a C in the middle, Honore C Quarter. I don't know oh. what that, uh, yeah, but it is what it is. Uh, people put that C in there to look. But anyway, Honore is a phenomenal writer. Just, I mean, just a brilliant writer and will probably blossom into her own process. I'm going to say within the next couple of years, she'll have her own series of books because she's woman on woman. Men respect the living hell out of her and she's honest. Honore, welcome. Thank you. So what really, let's let's go back because a lot of people yeah. who are listening right now go, you know, someday I'm going to write a book. Yeah. And I'm going to challenge you, Die Hard, if you're listening, you may say you're going to write a book, but I bet you a million dollars in cash that the first chapter is not yet written. Mm. And so that's the challenge that you have when you talk to someone like Honoré who's written a number of books. How many books have you written? There is no such thing as writer's block is number 61. Isn't that crazy? So that's what I really wanted to engage on Ray about today. There's no such thing as writer's block because many of you have writer's block and don't realize it when you're trying to come up with a title for your email, your subject line for your email, or trying to get a proposal done, but you have to give the company's history and all the other bullshit that goes with it when you know that the customer is only going to look at the price, never read the proposal to begin with. Um, I always, you know what I recommend? That salespeople never put the price in the proposal. And that way the customer will call you and say, hey, I couldn't find the price. Aha. But I wanted you to call me and I knew you'd never call me if I put the price in there. It's such a good move. You know what? But, I don't send a proposal anymore. I just send a contract and I just yeah. go, let me know if you're ready to sign it or not. Yeah, that's cool. I And and if you didn't know by that line, Honoré also has balls. And, <laughs> and those... Those balls have carried her to a, an, a tremendous income because she helps other people realize their their dream, their life's dream, their legacy, not just a book. So yeah. talk about it for a little bit, Honoré, because I've been talking too much. Um, So thank you, Jeffrey. You and I have known each other a long time, I think 20, something. 20 years, 20 yeah. something years. Um, yeah. We were both really young then. <laughs> yeah, we were. <laughs> Um, so I present day, I help people to write, publish and monetize their books. I help them come up with the content of the book. So crafting the book, what goes in the book and where and why and how to optimize the book, which is to commence the author reader relationship and maximize the book, also known as monetize the book, which is to further that relationship. When someone has read all the way through your book, they're going, well, I really like this author. How else can I give them my money? Yeah. Not really, but really, right? What's the next What's the next level of engagement that I can have? What are the other options if and when I'm ready to move forward? So optimize, 
main content, monetize the book. And so that is what I do is I help people who most of my clients have more money than time if I do the book for them. And if not, then I have courses and books that help them to go through that process every step of the way so that they are hopefully writing their first book and publishing their first book like I published my 61st book without all of the pain and suffering and lessons and yeah let me let me throw something at you you're a nonfiction writer is that fair to say that is fair (laughs) okay yes Um, my young daughter is a fiction reader predominantly Mm -hmm. because she's only 14 but she's sure. reading a book a week and she'll tell you who her favorite author is, not just what her favorite book is. Okay. Although I would have to say her favorite book is Little Women. So she does read classics. Oh, Louisa May Alcott. Very yeah. good. And also she thought the movie was just perfectly aligned with the book, which is very rare. But, yes, extremely rare. But if I ask her, you know, like, Gabrielle, who's your favorite author? She, she'll go, oh, Sally Rooney. And to, like she off the top of her head, woman's written four books. I just bought her for her Christmas last year, a little booklet that she published in Ireland and signed. So she now has everything that Sally Rooney has written. But that's that's um, part of making it magic. That's right. You know, I'm, I'm feeding that fire. I love that. Yeah. I take her to Barnes and Noble on 19th Street in New York City and just mm. I'll sit in the in the in the lounge and just go, you know, get anything you fucking want. I don't care. That's awesome. Yeah, knock yourself out. And if she'll you come can back read, you can do anything. Right. And it helps her to think and formulate her ideas because she also reads those girly, you know, boy meets girl and not or girl meets boy novels. And there's tons of them. They call them romance novels or yes. young people's novels. Yeah. But they basically have the same kind of plot. You know, yeah. boy meets girl, girl meets boy, something happens, their parents get involved, somebody gets pregnant, somebody gets killed, and then the book ends. But it's a cliffhanger, so you get it in the next book. That's right. <laughs> it's like an issue. It's, it's like a Batman or Superman or in today's yes. world, professional wrestling. It's so popular right. then. But you have the ability to write and to talk about writer's block because it's one of my favorite subjects. Well, so I would always get asked the question. So the reason I wrote the book is because I would always get asked the question on podcasts, do you ever get writer's block? Do you believe in writer's block? What do you say about writer's block? And it just, it occurred to me one day that it was probably a book that I could write to help people to understand what writer's block really was, what writer's block really wasn't, where it originated, and how to engineer circumstances so that they either don't ever get it, or if they find themselves in a place where they are unable to write, I'm not going to call it writer's block, because I don't necessarily believe it exists, although I wrote a book about it. So you can figure that out uh, yourself, Um, what to do in case they have a place where they are blocked. And so I talk about the origin, who made it up, Um, A psychiatrist who said, oh, let's give you writer's block. You're not writing. So let's give it a name so that we can give you a cure for it or a not a cure. Like like gender euphoria? Maybe. (laughs) Maybe something like that. Where'd Um, that come from? I don't know. That's a good question. Was it it there when you were growing up? No. 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 Although now, now that we get to pick things that we couldn't pick when I was growing up, I have chosen to believe that I'm a 25-year-old billionaire. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's my identify. Yeah, that's how I identify. So anyway, when I started asking people if they believed in writer's block, people got very defensive and uh, somewhat confrontational, even in just some social media posts. So I knew I was on to something, Jeffrey, because I really think that sometimes 
There is the, the, we find ourselves in a place where something isn't coming as easily as we would like it to. And then someone will make a suggestion. So if you weren't writing and you were saying, Honoré, I'm not writing. I used to get up and I would write and writing was very easy. And I went, you know, Jeffrey, you might have writer's block. It's like, if you go to the doctor and you say, I have these red bumps on my arm and they go, oh, you might have chicken pox, right? Or something like that. And they go, oh, okay, it's chicken pox. And I go like, well, how do I get rid of chicken pox? Or what's my, the medicinal, what do I do about it? Well, you put calamine lotion on, right? You sit in the sun, you dry it out and then you're fine. And so I think writer's block came along at a time when, when people were going, well, why am I not writing? And instead of coming at it from a, from any other perspective, someone said, oh, I bet you have writer's block. And someone said, oh, I guess I have writer's block. And they just owned it as like, well, I have chicken pox as opposed to, well, maybe I'm tired. Maybe I have a block around my belief system. Maybe I haven't carved out the time to write, or maybe I have the, I think the most prevalent situation when it comes to not writing. And I just came through five years of that myself, which is stress. That's interesting. Ernest Hemingway famously said, writing is easy. I sit down at the typewriter every morning and bleed. He was a drama queen, obviously. Yeah. And <laughs> and a drunk the night before, which doesn't help unless you're writing a oh, novel. Okay. Right. But, but he forced it. So let's talk about the fact that people, like I got to write in it for an hour at 10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Like, dude, what are you doing that for? You're not inspired. So is he, are you inspired or do you just go, that's the time that I have to write. And so no, that's when I'm writing. I, I disagree with that because it, you're not like, listen, we started talking before we hit the record button, correct? Yes. And you said something brilliant. And what did I do? I wrote it down immediately. It down. I, yeah. I texted it to myself. There's a difference between time management and brand management. It's fucking brilliant. It's not brilliant. It's fucking brilliant because, because people will, will spend a lot of time doing stupid things or try to give away some of the things that they hold dear in the, in the name of why well, I, I need my time back. No, you need your brand back. Yeah, because if your brain goes away, you'll have all the time in the world. That's right. That's very true. So I'm going to throw it at you this way. I only write when I'm inspired. Now, sometimes I've I've written, you know, it's not like I'm not a writer. I've written 17 books. I'm pretty good at it. And I love doing it. And sometimes I can inspire myself if I'm sitting down and reading something. I've created a process called thought sparking. Oh, I like this. Go on. I'll take an old book something 100 years old. There's a guy named Herbert Casson. I'm pronouncing it Frenchy so that I can sit down with intelligent. Okay, so Herbert Casson, was, he, he was published by Forbes. So it's not like a bad thing. Right. And this particular book was written in 1927. And it's called Tips for Traveling Salesmen. And what I do, what Thought Sparking is, is you go to the table of contents and you read them. Yeah, That's I do it. that. You don't read anything other than that. You just read the table of contents. And that will give you ideas. And those ideas will give you something to write about rather than sitting there going, I don't really have any ideas right now. Woe is me. And you sound like a whiny person. How'd I do for that one? You did good. You did good. Yeah. Well, so but I call, I will, I would categorize that under a behavior block, right? So in writer's block, uh, I talk about belief block. I don't believe I can write. Yeah. Behavior block. I'm not engaging in the behaviors that allow me to turn the faucet of words on or time block, which is I'm not carving out time or creating time to write. So what you're talking about is a way to engineer circumstances so that you remove any behavior block. 
Right. I put my creativity into it. Yes. And that allows me to free my mind from thinking, oh, my God, I can't come up with an idea to, oh, wow, look at these ideas. Like you're, if you're forcing yourself to write, it's not, it doesn't work. It just flat ass doesn't work. So I'm going to just throw a couple of things at you. Don't take okay. no for a final answer. Mention quality before price. Put service before samples. Use more ear and less tongue. Uh, begin with begin with talking them. Get down to brass tacks quickly. Building goodwill for your firm. I mean, there's just you know, it's cute. Okay. Well, so I'm a deep. I, I'm just collect one thing. I try to collect like a bunch of things. So Herbert wrote like five books, and this one is called Life's Little Book. Pretty cool. And it's a little little book. It's cute. Yeah. Everybody like should write a little book. Everybody. I wrote lots of them. Yeah. But. How the magazine began. And then you go, oh, what magazine? What has been done? Definition of British efficiency. I'd like to know what that is. Me too. You know, do you drink tea with it? I've never heard of it. Me neither. So a suggestion to lifers, a look forward. I mean, just, you don't have to read the book. You just have to read the table of contents and think, how can I write something about this that's important or significant or transferable and value or perceived as valuable to my reader? Yes. If it's not valuable... Don't do it. And then this is what I don't understand at all. Writers will say, well, I didn't like it, so I deleted it. Honore, I've been writing for 30 years. I've never deleted anything. No, I don't either. Mm -mm. I didn't I like it, so I deleted new versions of things, and I save the old versions just uh, Every case. time. Every time. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't think, I'm, I don't write lightly. I write heavily. And, uh, you know, when- Well, but you're a nonfiction writer. I could see why people would delete fiction words, but maybe not. I don't know. I'm throwing my hat in the ring in fiction. So we'll see what happens. What are you writing about? I'm writing a rom-com. I'm writing one of those movies, but no one's getting pregnant and no one's going to die. Oh, wow. Well, that's too bad. It's for, it's for girls. Oh. It's for women. <laughs> you wouldn't like it. Unless you like my sense of humor, then you might like it. I'm going to write, I am writing a novel called Kill the Sale. Oh. It's about uh, partners and one guy killed the other guy and the kids were very young, but one girl always thought that the, the partner killed his dad or killed her dad. So she gets married and goes under a different name and gets a job at the company underneath the killer. Oh, good story, though. Good story. Good story. It sounds like a Sidney Sheldon. Uh, it could be because he was in, we're from the same cloth. Yeah. He wrote until he was almost 100. Nice. Yeah. Sidney Sheldon was yeah. iconic at Harper. Yes, 100%. And thrillers. Oh. The the books were awesome. They're very, they're mind candy, but they're also not. Yeah. Yeah. Good guy. Made them a lot of money, made him a lot of money. They're, everyone, everyone was happy there. That's right. So that's one of the, the things that I do. I, I use thought sparking as a way of doing it, as a way of convincing myself that I, oh, I have something of value to say that sparked an idea in my head, but I own, I trademarked thought sparking. I've got, I own thoughtsparking.com. So don't, I'm not worried about saying it or anything or somebody else stealing it. But I would say this also, I write like I talk. Do you? I do. I think so. Yeah. I have people say that they hear my voice and my writing. So I suppose right. that would be right. correct. Ever get talker's block? I do not. No, definitely not. I get in trouble. Hi, for hi Mary. Uh, it's Anna Ray. Uh, I can't really think of anything to say right now. So I'm going to um, just sit here until you come up with something. <laughs> think about that. 
Well, so, I was writing, I was writing the book on an airplane. I was writing the introduction on the airplane and I, the pilot comes over and he's like, ladies and gentlemen, we've got, you know, 78 and sunny and we've got a, this flight time and blah, blah, blah. And yeah. I thought, wouldn't it be hilarious if he came on and, and said, okay, everybody. So I just can't with the piloting today. I'm just, <laughs> right, I'm just exactly. going to get off the plane. Yeah. I'm going to go to the lounge. And I'd I'm really like to meet cigar. the woman 16B. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I just can't even today with the flying. So I'm going to go. I'm going to watch some Netflix. I'm going to take a little nap. You all just hang out until I get back. It's on autopilot. Don't worry. When we get close, I'll wake up. I swear to God. That's right. That's right. Okay. Let me throw this at you, though. On the airplane, which we are both very familiar with, there's ways of saying things. Yes. So I fly American, which used to be U.S. Airways, and which, you know, I was banned on for a while. That's right. Yes. To my Wikipedia page. So bear with it. Um, I'm back now. And I, you know, instead of treating you like uh, shit, they just treat you like dirt. So it's, I'm okay there. You're okay. You're okay in dirt. Yeah. But I never buckle my seatbelt because I want to hear the flight attendant that used to be called a stewardess. Right. But that would seem to be an irrelevant word. There are no stewardesses on this plane, little boy. I heard that once from a from a flight attendant. I want to punch her. And how they tell me when they notice, they don't notice like three quarters of the time. Right. The smaller the plane, the more they will notice. Or Southwest. Southwest checks everybody every time. Never misses. I just flew Southwest twice last week and I didn't buckle either time and nobody said anything. Wow. I just also I had stuff on my lap. So yeah, give them a break. They would have had to have been like up in my business. Okay. So in the middle seat, both times on full flights. So to be fair. yeah, Yeah. Got that sexy middle seat character builder. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. 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 So on American, they'll go, seatbelt's not buckled, or please buckle your seatbelt right away. But on Southwest, they say, your seatbelt fell apart. Oh. Same thing. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. But with them, I, I, I'm happy. To, I want to hug them. Yeah. It's on American Airlines, I give them the finger. Yeah, thanks for telling me. You're so friendly, Jeffrey. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's a mood. You know, it it's, a, it's, it's an yeah. exchange. Yes. So I think that's a real important part of the process. I think that as a writer, I'm looking at the way you say things. You know, are you disgruntled about it? Are you a curmudgeon about it? Are you, you know, Hunter S. Thompson about it? Or, you know, are you, do your words flow like Walter Isaacson, who's my current favorite writer? Mm, Which book did he just write? He, the one on Elon Musk. Okay. Have you read that? No, I haven't read it yet. Okay. But I read the Steve Jobs like overnight on a plane. It was just classic. You felt you were in his living room. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I think part of being an effortless writer is to recognize something that you're not saying, but that I'm thinking as you're talking, Mm -hmm. which is that if you're a writer, you get to write. You don't have to write. You get to write. That's true. I love writing. I only get to write an hour every day. That's all my schedule allows for, but it's my, it's the most delicious hour of my day. I can't wait to do it. That's so interesting. I've been waking up in the morning uh, for a number of years, but for the past 30, I have an hour to myself before anybody else wakes up. Yep. What I, I have a morning routine that consists of reading, writing, preparing, which causes me to think and create. Those are the five things that I do every day. I do it in this chair right over here when I'm home. And as a result of that, and I do the same way you do, I'm eager to do it. I want to do it, but I don't I'm always- i cranky if something gets in my way. 
If I don't get yeah. to write, I'm actually cranky if I don't write now, as opposed to if I feel like I have to write, which th that's different. It's just such a privilege to be a writer, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I get to write. It's really, it's a great way of looking at it. But there's a lot more to this, uh, Die Hard, because you are thinking about writing, but you damn haven't done it yet. And this is something that you need to think farther down the road when you're thinking about writing what you know or writing what you know to be true or writing what you know to be true that might be transferable. Like somebody else might get it and actually do something with it. And you know who they are. They write you letters. You get letters going, this book changed my life, don't you? I do. I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah, I save them. I have them in a folder called Oh, Club. believe me. So do yeah. I. I'm sure yeah. you do. I'm sure you have yeah. so many, you can't count them all. Um, I'm blessed with it. I'll just say that. But this is the challenge. It's also your legacy. It's what your children are going to read at your funeral. I don't mean to be morbid about it, but we're all going to the same place. The only question is when and how. That's right. Um, and I don't believe in heaven and hell, by the way. I just think there's only hell and we're in it. So wherever you're going after this. Some days it's hotter than others. Let's say. Exactly. Um, and actually, uh, I don't know whether you know this or not. I, I really feel bad about making any um, gesture towards religion, but uh, Christians have heaven and hell. Jews do not. We have wholesale and retail. And that's our, that's how we distinguish ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I know, it's funny. What about on sale? On sale, it's that's okay. On sale is fine. Is that purgatory? <laughs> yeah. <that's right>. <laughs> <laughs> on sale simply means I couldn't sell it. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Because you see the crappiest stuff on sale sometimes when you go into a store. Yeah. Do you want to see what's on sale? Not, not really. No, I don't. I want to see what's good. <laughs> what do you have that's full price? Right. Um, so for you out there that are wondering, what should I do? Is there a good way to start? Um, well, I think I think you actually demonstrated it before we started recording, which was when you hear something or say something that you want to capture, make sure you capture it. Yeah. Capture it um, digitally by sending a voice memo to yourself, text it to yourself, voice text it to yourself. I carry a bullet journal with me everywhere. I like to write things down. I actually mm -hmm. uh, thought of a book title. I was meeting with someone and they went to the bathroom and I had a book title. So I pulled out and wrote down and then I had enough time to go to Amazon and see if the book title existed. Of course, not, of course. Be writable. But it, I wanted to just see if there were any other books, you know, with that title that had been re recently released and had gotten some traction. And then the person came back. So I'll revisit it later. But if I hadn't written it down, I wouldn't have captured it. So the place to start. No, you wouldn't have remembered it. What did I say? You said you captured it. I did. I, I wouldn't have captured it later. I wouldn't have remembered it. It would have. No one did. Yeah, if, when you get that spark of an idea, you write it down. You got to capture it. You got to capture it immediately, even if, and I have some friends who describe their moments of inspiration and they'll say they're writing on whatever they're writing on the paper tablecloth, right? Mm -hmm. you carry a Sharpie with you, carry a pen with you. Have you, thankfully we all have devices with us now where we can capture things, but write it on the back of a napkin, write it on the tablecloth, write it in your, in your journal, put it on your, you know, write it on the back of your hand, right? Like you used to write your cheats or <laughs> cheating on a test, right. write it and capture it. Because if I had not written it down, I'm more than likely 99% would not remember it later, even with memory pegs and, and promising yeah. myself and crossing my heart and hoping to die. With, right. I wouldn't have remembered it. So that's the first thing. The second thing is there is something that you could write about. So the, the diehards that are listening, there's something that you could write about that you would think someone else has already written about this. 
However, not anyone else on this planet has your unique combination of experience, knowledge, expertise, education, et cetera, et cetera. And there are people that are coming to you already and they're asking you questions and they're saying, how do I create a financial plan? How do I sell intangible objects? How do I, whatever, right? Whatever people are already coming to you for. And you're like, well, that's simple. That's common sense. Why, pe- why don't people know that? That's the thing that you need to write about. So that's your area of expertise. And so the first place to start is capturing those questions because you already know the answer. The second thing is to do what Jeffrey recommended, which is to use the other books on that topic. So I went and read all the books, all the articles on writer's block that I could find, all the quotes on writer's block. I went and I was doing my due diligence to see what everybody else was saying about writer's block, what other people had said about writer's block. And also... Then I took some white space and I think you'll like this, Jeffrey. I think this is, this is, um, this is an idea that you will like, because I think you do this too. You mentioned it a second ago. I actually take time to think about what I think about something. And Mm -hmm. sometimes what I think about something is contrary to what someone else will say, because I I say there is no, there is actually no such thing as writer's block. When I broke it down, I was like, do I believe in writer's block? Sure. Because everybody talks about it or a lot of people talk about it, but do I believe it has to exist? I actually don't. I think that there's a way to look at your individual situation and figure out a way to write as easily as you breathe. And that's what the whole book is about. But when you're writing about something, you want to write about something from the perspective of what are people already asking you? What should they be asking you? What would they ask you if they had more knowledge about a situation? And what could they not possibly know about it because it's not their area of expertise? And also then throw into that, what do you think about it? What do you really think about whatever it is that's your area of expertise? And spend some time sitting on your front porch or on your deck or in a mall, go people watching because that's fascinating. Like go somewhere where you just have some space where you can create some space, where you're not being stimulated by the phone or the Instagram or the email or whatever. Just give yourself some time to really think like, what do I really think about this? And if I were to, you know, die on the hill, what stand would I take on something? How do I really feel about it? And what value could I add to the person who's reading my book that they wouldn't find anywhere else because no one has taken the time to put all of these things together and then pull back and allow themselves to think about it. I concur a thousand percent. I have found that by going the opposite direction that I can create my own material. So for example, there's a very famous sales training company and they focus on finding the pain. Where does the pain, if you can uncover the customer's pain, you can get to blah, blah, blah. Okay. So my pain is none of your business, Right. but I'd love to find the pleasure. Right. So I go for, where's the guy play golf? Where his kids go to school? Uh, where did he grow up? Tell me about your house. What if their pain was solved? What does that look like? Yeah. Right? Okay. So the challenge that people have is they do conventional things and they don't think they can go outside of the convention. So I'm looking at, salespeople are taught how to close the sale. I don't do that. I teach how to open the sale. Because if you open the sale the right way, the close becomes easy. So there's a hundred things like that that I do. I don't teach customer satisfaction. I teach customer loyalty because I, I satisfies the lowest level. And those are the, there's 20 things that I do 
that other people don't even think about doing because they're afraid to go outside the conventional wisdom. Well, and you bring up something I think that's really important, and that is it, sometimes people, you said it, people are afraid to go outside yeah. of the norm. But when you think about the fact that when we took the a car from the hotel to the airport, we were in somebody else's privately owned car right? brought together by an app where someone is using someone else's assets to make yeah. money. Right. There's a whole fleet of vehicles called Uber or Lyft. Right. That which they don't own, which they do not own. They don't have any access to. They have no claim to. They have no stake in. They have no interest in except that the broker of the sale of the ride was made through an application to which they had no ownership or culpability whatsoever, but they made money because of that connection. And that's thinking outside the box, because if somebody would have said, what, 20 years ago, you're going to use cars or houses that you do not own for people to ride in or sleep in, and you're going to make money from it. it was, oh, that's crazy. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Yep. And yet it happens now millions and millions of times a day. So when you think, oh, I can't think outside the box, I'm going to borrow a line from Tony Robbins from a long time ago, which is if you can't, you must. So he would say, if you say, oh, I can't do that, then then the imperative becomes, oh, I must do that. I have to figure out a way to integrate that. So if you think, well, I can't write a book, then now you must write a book. If I can't write a blog post, I must write a blog post. And then the question then becomes, how do I do it? How do I do it? Almost. Okay, what What am I missing? Don't tell me what you can't do. Tell me what you can do. I can't do Must do it. Must is stronger than can, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. But can is the way. Yeah. Can is the vehicle to get you there. So uh, if I go to a a hotel and they go, we were full last night, check-in time is three o'clock. I go, sweetie, which some chicks don't like when you call them sweetie. But I go, sweetie, I go, sweetie, your check-in time is three o'clock. My check-in time is now. And they're like, "Uh (laughs) (laughs) uh-oh. Well, so I think what happens is we go from I can't do something to I must do it. How can I do it? Right, exactly. So so tell me, you know, Mr. Goodman, you're in luck. We were full last night. That means you're part of our we're full program. Go get a sandwich. We'll pay for it. Go to the business center. We'll pay for it. And the minute your room is ready, I'll text you. Or she can just say, check in time is three o'clock and piss me off. Just think about what you can do. And it becomes a whole other solution for you immediately. What's yes. the creative way to approach this? Yeah. And that which is uh, should be our last subject. Okay. Creativity is a fulcrum point in this whole process. Yeah. And even in school, sometimes they call it creative writing. That's like part of the subject title. Yeah. Well, if I ask you, and one of the first things I tell my my customers is, go read a book on creativity. Even if you don't do anything other than one thing in the book, read a book on creativity. Then read another one. And I have my, you know, the list of books that I think are good, but you know, everybody has their creative library sort of stuck away. But for me, I couldn't be more adamant about what I have learned, gleaned, profited from by reading somebody's book on creativity. And I actually spent two days with with uh, Edward de Bono, which is like Jesus of creativity. Everything. Yeah. yeah. He tried to hit on the waitress in our Italian restaurant. Pretty interesting. It was like 85. No, did he, he did not. No, no. wasn't even close. He wasn't creative enough, apparently. <laughs> well, the waitress came over and go, I think he's hitting on me. <laughs> like, <laughs> Really? What was yeah, your first well, clue? They don't, they don't even call them waitresses anymore. I apologize for sounding old. <laughs> Solid. So that's where we're at. And Die Hard, I'm just going to challenge you. I'm leaving you with this. Write the first chapter. Don't tell yourself what you're going to do. Do it. And just put yourself in a position where you begin to think about who you can become, not just who you are. 
Because if it's who you are, you're going to sit in a chair and go, you know, I don't really feel like doing this today. You don't feel like doing it because you don't have really anything to say. You haven't trained your mind how to think or do. And if you do that, you're going to win. And I would get, the first thing I would do is get on a race book, obviously. There's no such thing as writer's block. That will help you. That will inspire you and will give you a place to go and grow so that you can write in a way that you're happy with. And when you write your own way, don't read it right away and try to edit it. Let it sit for a day, maybe two days. Then go back and read it and you'll be fine. Yeah. And uh, Ms. Quarter, everything else yes. okay with you? Yes. Thank you so much, Jeffrey. I appreciate oh, your my time. My damn so pleasure. And that's final. Okay. Thank you, sir. You're the best. Oh, thank you. We will have your, I value your opinion. Uh, we will be back again with Honoré for lesson number two, which is when you're in the writing process, are there things that you can do that will get you further faster? Because I think that everyone who wants to write a book thinks it's this massive project that's going to take years and years. But with today's technology, and not AI, by the way, I'll smash you in the face. No, 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 we're actually you writing it. Yeah, you actually do the writing. Or I'm not even going to give you the hint of what I do, but we'll talk about it at the next show. So die hard, go make a sale, even if your ass falls off. Thanks for listening to the show. Don't forget to like, share. Yeah, share with both your friends. And subscribe to the podcast. And remember, we have a free 22-day sales challenge. Just go to Gutimer.com slash sales challenge to start you on your way.